You're listening to episode number 44 of the Secondary Science Simplified podcast. If you caught last week's episode, you know that I shared six tips for managing large classes. If that is you this school year, be sure to head back and give episode 43 a listen. But some of you are on the other end of the spectrum this school year. You found yourself with a section or two on your roster with only a few students. And you're worried about engaging those small classes of students when there are only a handful in front of you. And I totally get it. When I was teaching at a large public school, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have small classes, let alone less than 15 students in a class. But when we moved from my husband's job, I found myself teaching in a small private school with several classes that had only 10 to 12 students in them. And twice, I even had class periods of only six students. In some ways, I found engaging small classes like these sections even harder than managing large classes like I had in the past. But with time, I got better at maintaining my energy level despite the lesser number of students, and I found that I had a growing capacity to keep my students engaged. And that's what I'm here to share with you today. Are you ready to hear my four best tips for engaging small classes? Let's do it. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I'm passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You're in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. So if you found yourself this school year with classes of 10 or less students, these tips are for you today. So first, I want to encourage you to lighten up. And I say this with all of the love and the camaraderie in the world, but seriously, lighten up this year. I personally have never been known to be chill in any sense of the word. I like to say that I run at a higher frequency and intensity than the average person. And after years of teaching classes with too many students in them, I had become conditioned to run such a tight ship in order to keep my classes functioning at such a large number of students. But this was not how I needed to be in my classes with only six students or 10. I had the freedom to lighten up and be more casual with them. And this was because I could spend way less of my own energy managing and was able to save way more time with them in the transitions just due to lesser amounts of bodies moving around my classroom, transitions between activities and instructional resources just happened a lot faster. And this gave me the ability to be a little bit more chill than I normally am. Because again, when you have large classes, you're spending a lot of energy corralling all of the people and getting them to move from one thing to the next. And you don't have to do that with these smaller classes. So if you are more high strung like I am, I urge you to consider taking a few deep breaths and letting the reins go a little bit in your smaller classes. 
Doing this will allow you to engage those small classes much better because it's going to create a different kind of atmosphere, an atmosphere that really, really fosters relationship building and question asking. And I'm not saying you can't do both of those things with large classes. I'm just speaking from my own experience where I have a harder time doing that in my large classes of 25, 30 plus students. I can do this much easier in smaller classes. And this is a huge perk of having those tiny classes. Even I know some of you are teaching AP and you have like two or four students in your AP bio class this year. This is a perk. Really capitalize on the opportunity to build those relationships and get them comfortable asking questions. When you have these small classes, you have an increased capacity to care for students on an individual level because there's so many less of them. So take advantage of that. So again, my first suggestion is just lighten up a little bit with these classes. And then my second suggestion is to encourage whole class discussions from day one in your classroom. And now I know that this is airing in October, but you can still start this now, even if you haven't been doing this the last month or two you've been with your students. I really believe that discussion is the easiest free engagement tool ever. Use your small class size to let students ask anything and everything. This will engage them so much in your content to know that you've created a culture where they can comfortably ask those seemingly off-topic questions and get the answers that they desire. And I have more tips on engaging students with the discussions, and I'll link a blog post in the show notes about that. But I just really, really want to encourage you to do this. And also just FYI, if you get too good at this, then you may find that your smaller classes get more off task than your larger classes, but that's okay. Just be sure to rein it in when you need to rein it in. And if there's a question you aren't able to answer due to a time constraint, just write it down and tell them you'll get to it next time, or you'll answer it quickly at the start of the next class. I've officially given you my warning that this is a potential side effect of engaging in discussions too well, but I still think it's worth it to do, especially in these small classes. Truly don't worry as much about them getting off task because again, you will naturally find you have way more time to get through things with your smaller classes because you just have less students to get through these things with. And so you have a little bit more freedom in terms of time to get off task, if you will. So again, don't worry about that too much. I think encouraging the discussion, encouraging the culture that cultivates students asking questions is so important with these small class sizes and maximizing on the opportunity to do that. The other thing I want to encourage you to do, my third suggestion, is motivate your students with unique rewards. I know for me, oftentimes I can't utilize fun rewards just because I don't have the resources, the money, the time, or even the energy to give them to every student in my classes because I have too many students. But when you're teaching smaller classes, You can often incorporate more fun rewards simply because you only have to offer them to less people. I loved engaging my small classes this way and motivating them in this way. When I taught AP Biology, I had them first period, and we had a very strict no food or drink in lab policy as a department. But because I only had six AP students in, at one time, one of the rewards I would offer was coffee and breakfast Fridays. So we often spent a good chunk of our Friday class period going over an FRQ. I like to do FRQ Fridays because I love alliteration. And this was a great time for them to be able to safely eat and clean up after themselves. And I could offer this comfortably because there were so few of them. And I would motivate them by saying, okay, if everyone does the required reading this week, or if 
no one's late because it was first period and it was seniors and juniors. And so a lot of them were rolling in late to school. But I'd say, hey, if we're all on time this week, Friday, you get to bring in your coffee and breakfast. And that was such a simple reward that required very little effort on my part other than helping them clean up after. And they loved it so much. Another time I had a really small section of biology and I had them at the end of the day. So it was even worse when students were leaving early for, you know, volleyball tournaments or away football games and they played in the band or they cheered or they were on the team. Like sometimes I was decimated down to just like a handful of students. So that was hard having them at the end of the day. But one way that I motivated those biology students was I told them we could do dissections at the end of each semester if they had no missing work. Now, this would be a borderline impossible standard for a larger class. Like, it's just unlikely that a class of 15, 20, 25, 30 students would ever be able to not have a single missing assignment. But if you have a smaller class of just a few students, they can do this. They can all stack hands on not having any missing work. Because again, most likely you're reclaiming some class time that you don't have in your larger sections because they're going to do things quicker as a smaller group. So that's going to build in more time to get in all their assignments during class. So there's no reason that they should have any missing assignments. So I encourage you to consider that or, you know, some other standard. It doesn't have to be no missing work. And then reward them with something like this. Mine loved doing the dissections. And while I couldn't afford to buy fetal pigs for my biology class of 30, I could swallow the cost of two fetal pigs for a class of six students and having them work in groups of three. And so that's something to consider too. That was really motivating for them because a lot of my students in that biology class weren't going to go on and take anatomy, but they wanted to try to do a dissection. And that was a fun way to motivate them as well. So I want you to consider how you could utilize unique rewards like these to motivate and engage your tiny classes because it's a lot easier to provide these kinds of rewards for a smaller group of people. And last but not least, we got to talk about labs. And my fourth tip is all about labs. It's bringing in special guests, so to speak, for your labs. I cannot leave you in this episode about engaging small classes without giving you any advice for labs specifically because I know I know how hard labs are to implement with large classes, but I honestly think they're even harder with small classes because sometimes you literally don't have enough physical bodies to collect the data you need to collect. Or I think of my photosynthesis relay activity that I love to do in my energy flow unit. It requires a certain number of people to actually be able to do the simulation. And it can be hard in small classes. Like if you have 10 or less students, it's gonna be difficult. So what should you do? This is where I love to bring in special guests. And by special guests, I mostly mean random students that I could corral into my classroom during a class period. And my actual students loved this and it made labs extra special and engaging. And so you're probably wondering, where am I just finding random students to pull into my classroom? So here are a few of my go-to places. First, I would literally check the halls on lab day. I would look for wanderers. If they're trying to stall going back to their class, then the least they can do is help me with my class and they can come in for five minutes and help us do some data collection. I'd also check the bathrooms. Oftentimes I could find a group of girls in, you know, the large stall on Snapchat looking at stories on their contraband phones and I would make a deal with them. Instead of sending you to the office to turn in your phone, I need your warm bodies in my classroom for 10 minutes to help me collect this data and then you can go back to whatever class you're skipping right now. Or... And that, again, you might be like, how could I ever keep students from the class they're supposed to be in? Both of those were things I did when I taught at a private school. So things were like 
a lot looser in terms of like discipline. And a lot of those students, they were like skipping an elective class or, you know, something like study hall. And so I would just pull them in as I needed them and then send them back where they needed to go. Now, when I was at public school, my best place to find my special guest was ISS. So I don't know if your school has this, but ISS is an in-school suspension. And this is done differently at a lot of schools. But the way it was done in my public school is there was an ISS room and there was an ISS supervisor. He was the baseball coach. And then his like day job was supervising ISS. But basically students would get sent there if, you know, they were extremely disruptive in a class and a student, a teacher had to remove them from their class or a student would get sent there if they were like out of dress code until a parent could bring them appropriate dress code. There were a lot of various reasons that a student might end up in ISS. And so I went to the ISS supervisor and I went to my admin and I was like, Hey, my fourth period, I only have 10 students and sometimes I need more to do labs. Can I come in here every once in a while during fourth period and see who you've got in here and just pull some out to do work with me and then they can come back? And we, at first, my admin really didn't want to do this because they were like, this is a punishment for them to be an ISS. We don't want them going in your class and having fun. But I was able to eventually convince them because I was like, listen, a lot of these kids are sitting in ISS and they're literally sleeping on their desks. That's not much of a punishment. Some of them are taking naps that they probably desperately need. But I can use them and I'm not going to take them for an hour long class period. Like I'm just going to take them for 15 minutes. And I wanted to be like, this is your fault that my class is so small because of the way that the class schedule is and like not getting certain people in it. But I would obviously never say that to their face. But it ended up, we came up with this deal and it worked out so well because let's be real. It's not like I'm doing a lab every single day where I have to get these extra bodies. It was like once a month where it's like, I really need extra bodies for this lab. And I would go and grab those students. They were our special guests. And then I would send them back to ISS or whatever it was that they needed to go. Another great place to grab some extra warm bodies for a lab is if your school has a TA program. And if it doesn't, y'all, start talking to your admin right now about getting one on the master plan for next year. And I'm gonna link a blog post about teacher's aid programs, but this is such a game changer for teachers and it's a free way that your admin can majorly help you and you know provide you some relief, especially if you have all these different preps. So essentially, I've never been in a school that didn't have some sort of teacher's aid program. So when I was in high school, we had one. I was a TA in high school. When I taught at public school, we had one. And when I taught at private school, we had one. So TAs are the best, but essentially like students will have you as they will be your TA and it will be a class period for them. And depending on the amount that you require of them, we'll determine if this is like a one credit hour elective or is it just like a zero credit hour class that's almost treated like a study hall in terms of their transcript. But either way, it's a win for students because if it's a one credit hour class, they may have to do more written things to like reflect on their experience or something to earn that grade. And oftentimes for us, it was a pass fail. But then it's like a free grade on their transcript. But if it's a zero credit hour course, it's still a win because they get this kind of break in their schedule, but then also they can put it on their resume that they were volunteering as a TA for a teacher because if they're getting zero credit hours, they're not getting anything from it. So it counts as a volunteer opportunity for them. But we loved having TAs. It was a way that we created some more built-in flex time, especially for our students that were taking like three or four APs that they could have this TA program and they could help teachers for part of class. And then often they were working on homework and things like that for the other part. But it helps so much with lab prep, lab cleanup, you know, grading some things. Like there's just so much they can do for you. 
I could go on a tangent about this all day. I love TA programs. But if your school does have a TA program or is soon to have one because you're going to start one, make sure that every teacher has access to a master list of who has teachers aids when. Okay, so this is something we like to do at my school. We like to know like, okay, who has a teacher's aid during first period? Who has one during second period? Who has one during third, et cetera? Because not every teacher had a TA. And if you did have a TA, it was only for one class period. It wasn't like you had one every class period. And sometimes there might be an emergency. Like, hey, I this didn't get printed. I really need someone to run and print this to me. Oh, Dan, my next door neighbor teacher has a TA this period. I'm going to bop my head in there and be like, hey, can Carson go print this for me? And it, we always like had were fine as teachers stacking hands on sharing our TAs in that way. Oftentimes we would use them first, but then they were like free to the department or free to everyone else in the hall. Who else needs help this class period? So if you have a TA program, have a master list. And then during those class periods that you know you only have five or six students or 10 students and you need more warm bodies, look at that master list and see who has TAs and reach out to them and say, hey, can you send me your TA You know, at 9 a.m. during second period and I borrow them for 20 minutes and then I send them back to you just to help me with this lab. And this was really, really helpful, especially at a tiny school. And it was fun. Again, like my students loved having the guests in there. Honestly, the teacher's aides didn't mind at all. They had fun. And it was just a, it was a really great opportunity to get more bodies for my labs, getting data and to utilize students efficiently. Now, Worst case scenario, if you're like, none of these ideas work for me, Rebecca, where I'm not going to be able to find any of these bodies. We don't have a TA program. We don't have ISS. We don't have kids lollygagging in the hallways. Okay, I hear you. So worst case scenario, here are my suggestions. First, do the lab with them. You serve as an extra subject or as an extra student. I can't tell you how many times I did that. And the students were tickled when we drew popsicle sticks and they found out that Miss Joyner was in their lab group. They were thrilled. And I would only be in their lab group for the beginning through data collection. And then I set them free. But do the lab with them. That can help. And then the other thing that I love doing is if I have other sections of a class, like if I have three sections of biology, I'm going to combine data from all those class periods together to give us more more data to analyze. And so you can collect data that way. But I think the most important thing, if you have four students and you're doing a lab and you're only getting you know a couple of trials through those four students, is have a thorough discussion every time you do a lab about error analysis and the importance of a large sample size. That yes, we got this data, but we only got 12 trials amongst the four of us because we each did three. And how accurate is that? You know, the statistical significance there, how can we really rely on this? Because that is such a tiny sample size. It's not super reliable. So just make sure you take the time to do that error analysis if there's no other way to get in more bodies to get in more trials for your labs. Okay, so to recap, the things I want you to do to engage your small classes, I want you to lighten up a little bit and really relax with this class. This is such, when you have these small classes, it's such a fun opportunity just to lighten up a little bit and just to enjoy them more and to enjoy the relationship building. And that in turn is going to engage your students. I also want to encourage you to do more discussions, make discussions and asking questions like an integral part of your classroom culture. I want to encourage you to motivate your students with unique rewards. This is an opportunity to do some more fun rewards with your students because you only have a few students to provide those rewards to. And then last, I really want to encourage you to find some special guests for your lab days if you can, especially for those labs where you're like, we got to have more bodies for this because we need more data. That'll be a fun way to engage your students and then also get the lab data that you need.
I hope these assist you in engaging your small classes that you may have this school year. And if you have any others that you would add, shoot me a DM on Instagram and tell me. I love hearing from you and I would love to reshare those suggestions on my stories for other teachers who are teaching small classes to see as well. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As always, you can find any links that I mentioned in the show notes at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash episode 44. And I want to make sure you know that it is not too late to grab your free Halloween themed high school science resources. I made these last year. I've mentioned them on the last two episodes that we've had, but essentially I created a fun high school science Halloween themed activity for four major content areas, one for biology, one for chemistry, one for physics, and one for anatomy. And they're all in one big PDF. And they're just so fun to use this month to do something festive with your students. That's still standard aligned and still meaningful learning for them. And you can grab those for free at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash Halloween. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend. <laughs>